Hello and welcome to episode 53 of Our Weird Life. My name is Jack. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Jodie. I feel like I was about to take off then. Are you excited? I just had this burst of energy from a piece of uh, dark chocolate we just had. Oh, that was, it's really nice. It's pretty good. You know, it's weird. I never used to like that chocolate when I came, I first came to Japan. No. Any reason why? Meiji chocolate. I think I usually have the milk chocolate one, but that one is dark chocolate, black chocolate, and it's much better. Mm. It's got like a milky taste to it. I've always preferred dark chocolate. Mm. I have too, actually. I like bubble like, chocolate. I like smoky tastes. Smoky whiskey. Yeah. So. Smoky bacon. Smoky bacon. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I do, do like smoky bacon. Do you know what, bacon. though? Smoky bacon crisps. Oh. What I wouldn't give for a pack of smoky bacon crisps. It's been a while since we've had some of that. Yeah, I know. Wow. Smoky bacon. Oh, my God. Chicken. <laughs> chicken crisps. Walker's chicken crisps. Smoky oh. bacon. Oh, my God. Salt and vinegar. Salt and vinegar crisps. <laughs> You know what's funny? I used to absolutely hate salt and vinegar crisps. Corn cocktail. I don't think... Mm, Send me a mixed no. bag. Send me a mixed bag. <laughs> <I'll>... <laughs> and then don't speak to me for a week. <laughs> no, oh. corn cocktail weren't my... Uh, oh my were never my bag, to be honest. Salt and vinegar, also, I didn't used to like. But now, anything that closely resembles it in Japan, <gasps> it's just, you know... Wait a minute. Cheese and onion. Walker's cheese and onion. Cheese and onion, classic. Oh my gosh, the flavours are amazing. British staple. <laughs> they had one which was like cheese, which I didn't really like, but then I actually really liked it. What do you mean? You, you like did... they came up with a new flavour, like cheese, Walker's crisps. You didn't like it and then you liked it? Yeah, it was one of those things that, that grew we, on, we yeah. bought like a 12 pack. So I started, you know, oh, I don't like them. But then that was all that was left, so I just ate them. Grew on you like mould. Did you have um? <laughs> did you have a bag of crisps? A bag, a box of crisps in your house. Uh, we had a we had a crisp cupboard. Like yeah, hmm. don't you think that every British household has a crisp cupboard? It's so weird, isn't it, when you think about it? Yeah, or like a, a chocolate box, or like a drawer of chocolates or something. We specifically had. I say had. We probably still have. Do we, mom and dad? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing that we still have. A cupboard of crisps. I liked your cupboard of crisps because you'd open the cupboard and one would fall out for you. Yeah, it was so it'd make your mind up. Ready made. It was like a dispenser. It was great. Open the door, bang, got yourself a. You don't even have to choose. You just get one for free. We had like a. We've got like a box, a box of crisps. Right. But when I was a kid, did we have a box? I don't know. It's on top of the fridge. I remember. Yeah, that's our box of crisps. I'm interested to know. Do other countries? have that same kind of thing do you have like a stock where you keep something some kind of snack or indulgent food do you keep mm. it in a particular place because i think the crisp cupboard is like i think that's a staple of a british home <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's the weird thing in japan like they only really sell the big crisps like grab Large bags packs of like them. yeah whatever you call them like, yeah yeah that's very true so you don't get you can't have like an individual bag of crisps or a well, you, you can but if you do it's like you just you eat buy ten. one you buy one yeah. bag of crisps. They don't sell, like, multi-pack no. crisps. You can't get, like, 12 little bags of crisps in one bag. It's not a thing, is it? No. I think because a lot of the time their um, their crisps go with the drinking culture. So yeah. whether that's supposed to be, like, a shared thing rather yeah, than... that's true. Like, we buy a bag and we're like, this is one of mine. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. We eat more in one sitting now. 
Yeah. Which is not good, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. Deary me. Yeah. Anyway, how's your, have you had a good week so far? Yeah, well? I've had a good week. Um, good week, yep. Kicking off the holidays. I guess this is this technically... Is the first day. This is like season two, isn't it, of Our Weird Life? This is yeah. like the first episode of the new cycle. That's true. And how do we kick it off? Talking about crisps. Absolutely. <laughs> this in style. <laughs> oh, I do love crisps, though. Yeah, me too. Chips, if you're American. That's my that's my Achilles heel of, of snacks, mm. is... Crisps. Yeah, it's crisps. Also, don't you think, like, crisps is a better word than chips? For a crisp, because it sounds more like it crisp. Like, it sounds like that when you put it in your mouth. Like, I mean, yeah, I'm just... <laughs> chips chip. never rings true to me because of, of what we associate them with. And I think, like, our chips are obviously tend to be, like, thick. thick. Potatoey. Yeah. Chip. A bricks chip. of oil and <laughs> oh my gosh you just reminded me what? i saw a video today of a kid running on the beach with mm. a with a you know like you you'd get like a if you go to the chip shop and you have like a small portion of chips they just throw all the chips on a piece of paper don't they what newspaper, like a newspaper yeah and they wrap them up so you're just walking around with like a a hot <laughs> newspaper like present of chips yeah so this kid was like walking on the beach and obviously the seagulls were like, hello, oh, we can fool. take him down. And there was like, <laughs> it was like 30 seagulls like attacking this boy from above. And then he starts running <laughs> with this bag of chips and he's like, oh, <laughs> he's running. He's like, oh, and then he just throws him in the air. <laughs> oh, what? He didn't even get put up a fight. He co- no, he couldn't, Jack. He's they were like, swarmed. Yeah, I'll have to show you. It, honestly, I was dying laughing. <laughs> So funny. Seagulls like, are savage. I've been there. I've been there. I've had a few ice creams, Cornish pasties knocked out my hand. They do not give a damn for anyone. They are savage. They are. They're like, they sit on the lamppost like above death, you. Like, oh! Yeah. They sit on the lamppost <laughs> above you and they watch for a good opportunity where you're about to take... You're about to take your first bite. That's usually when they come down. And they swoop down, flap their wings in your face so you drop whatever you're holding on the floor. Yeah. Works every time. Most of the time, they they drop the thing that they've picked up as well, which is quite irritating. Yeah, because then, obviously, all the other seagulls come and they want it. Yeah. There's obviously the bold seagull that does the attack. Um, And then then, the other's, like, scavenge. Yeah, and then you get the scavengy seagulls that aren't brave enough to go in for the the kill. Yeah. I just take the... Uh, so this the poor reward. boy got savaged on the beach. It was very funny. <laughs> and it was like a beach full of people too, so you can only imagine his embarrassment. Oh, mortified. It wasn't even like... like maybe it was like 50 <laughs> seagulls, I don't know. It just it looked like it was like a swarm of seagulls. One seagull is one seagull too many. I was traumatised by a seagull when I was younger. You you were attacked, were you? Yeah, I was. And But the the thing that made it worse was my dad... Because my dad laughed, my dad's got a really booming laugh, and he laughed so loud, and everyone looked at me. He was like, <laughs> and like pointing at me, and I was like, oh my god, and I just like burst into tears, which apparently made it funnier. How old were you? Uh, probably like 10, 11. 
enough old enough to be traumatized old, old enough for it to be like mortifying yeah but then um the same holiday uh my brother had bought a new hat and some new shoes and a seagull pooed on his hat and it split off into by onto both of his shoes oh. how unbelievable is that that's a rotten bit of luck, So it isn't got it? his hat and both his brand new shoes, and then he was more good than me, so that kind of made up for the, you know, made me feel better about the ice cream situation. Did anyone say to him, muck for luck? Yeah, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were like, oh, that's lucky that is. Of course, of course. <laughs> brand new shoes. Are you in, are you in Britain, <laughs> if that's not said to you, when the, the pigeon releases its, like, <laughs> its poop on you? <laughs> Have you ever been pooed on by a seagull? Um, um, that's a good point. I think I have, but only like the, like a couple of drops. You know, I yeah. think it missed me. Yeah. But I've never been. I've never received like a a direct strike. A full load. Yeah. Mm. Thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Right. Anyway, should we move on from seagull poo? Let's move on to the uh, to the next segment. Do you want me to go, or are you going to go? Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So I thought I'd tell you a little bit of a story today, Jack. Ooh. It's a true story. You might have already heard story it. time with Jody. <laughs> so do you know who Yoshi Shiratori is? I do not. Okay, well, I'll tell you a little bit about him. He's In Japan, he's seen as a bit of an anti-hero. Okay. Um, because he's known for escaping prison several times. Oh, so I'm going to tell you how he did that because okay. it's quite interesting. That sounds fascinating. We so, do like our anti-heroes, don't we? We're fond we of them. Yeah, but especially in Britain. Yeah, we like an underdog. Yeah. So anyway, he was born in Almory in uh, 1907. Almory is like the the northernmost point of the part of Japan that we're in, right? Tohoku. Yes, yes. So actually the reason this came up was that we were looking for somewhere to visit that we hadn't been to. We're thinking, you know, and Aomori, if you're interested and you come to Japan, has a beautiful and quite, um, I've heard, moving uh, festival, which is, it's quite amazing. And it's, um, it's like a light festival. It's called Nebuta Festival. So if you ever come to Japan and you want to do something a bit different, you want to travel all up and down the country, um, I recommend that. But it's cancelled this year. So... We can't go. <laughs> anyway, so so this man, Yoshi, he worked several jobs. Um, he worked, like, in a tofu shop, and he did some crab fishing, and he did several of the different jobs, but he didn't really find something that was, you know... His thing. Yeah. He didn't make a lot of money, and he was getting a bit fed up of it. So he turned to gambling and stealing, Ooh, which, as the, we all know... The dark path of gambling. <laughs> You'll end up in prison. <laughs> so uh, so he was arrested for this eventually in 1936, and he was put in Amori prison. We should probably say, by the way, gambling is illegal in Japan. That's why he was put in jail. Oh, yeah. So, yes. If you ever wonder, they have uh, things called, is it pa- pachinko or pachinko? Pa- pachinko. Pachinko. Yeah, um, do you want to explain pachinko, Jack? While we're... Yeah, it... <laughs> It's essentially, it's a means of being able to play a game that is essentially gambling, but it's uh, it's legal. So you're yeah. not winning money. You're paying money to win. They're Little like, balls. They're like ball bearings, aren't they, basically? Yeah. Um, 
and that's that, that's that's the name of the game really it's very loud yeah and very addictive as well people pay a lot of money to play these things and the, the machines that they play on are very elaborate very mm. large colorful colorful a um, bit like animated the, um, machines the slot machines yeah the uh the ones that you pull down yeah like the like one Vegas. bandit things yeah they're um, like that so you exchange your money for like little, little tokens. silver tokens yeah and then you win these little ball bearings, which I don't know if you can exchange for anything. So you can exchange them for, usually you can exchange them for prizes, but the, the mm. prizes are less than, you know. Yeah. They're crap, basically. Mm. So it's a way of kind of kind of gambling, but not really. Yeah, I, I still... Not for money. It's kind of strange. I've never tried it. It's the closest thing that they've got, let's put it that way. Yeah. So anyway, so gambling is illegal. So then, <laughs> while he was in Amoria prison, he thought, you know, I've got to get out of here, as you do. And um, so he studied the guards' routines for months, like when they would come to the to unlock the cell and go, and, you know, he studied them for months. Um, and one of the things that he was given in the cell, because, you know, he was looking around thinking, what can I use to get out of the cell? He was given a bucket to wash himself with, and attached to this bucket was... Um, like a wire so the bucket was given for bathing and um there was this wire that was around the bucket so he used that wire to unpick the lock okay and smart man yep so he escaped amoy prison because of that right and by studying the guards movements and what was the, the wire was it so they could like pull the bucket back or something no to, well this was or? in this was in like 1936. Right. So I think that the bucket, maybe you know how they have the wooden. Oh, you mean it was literally just it was wire. Like it was wrapped. wire, yeah, around it to hold it together. I assume anyway. Okay. I'm trying to imagine what this bucket would look like. I don't really know. Mm, that sounds yeah okay. Can imagine that. So then he was transferred. Sorry, hold on. Three days later, after he was um, he ran away, mm-hmm. the police caught him. Because he was stealing from a hospital. <laughs> stealing from a hospital? <laughs> yeah. He was getting supplies from the hospital. Okay. But obviously the police were looking for him and they caught him. Do you know what he was stealing? Which food was? It just said supplies from mm. the things that I've found. There's, there's many different stories <laughs> and elaborate tales about this person. So, you know, you can have a look yourself and see what you find. But it just said he was stealing supplies. Okay. I mean, um, I imagine at that point it was supplies for staying alive, right? <laughs> and it had been three days, so, you know, hmm. he was probably hungry. Yeah. Um, so then he was caught and he was sentenced to life after that um, in 1942. And this was in Akita prison. Akita. So this was literally during the war then, during yes. the Second World War. So then... In Akita prison. Akita is just uh, just south of Amoy. Which I assume might be a more... Yeah, maybe they caught him closer to Akita or... Mm. And that's where he just happened to go. Yeah, or maybe, maybe it was a stronger prison or something like that. Yeah. So, in Akita prison, he noticed that there was a skylight in the, in the corridor mm. of the prison... And he also saw that was there like a ventilation thing which led outside. So every night he climbed the very smooth walls 
smooth copper walls of his cell. Don't know how you would do that, but he did. Would you do that? Um, Every night he did that and he loosened the vent and then climbed back down. Right. Um, Until one night it was very stormy and he thought, this is it, opportunity. So on that night he climbed out and he got out of the vent, climbed through the roof and out through the sky, the skylight. And luckily, because it was a stormy night, the guards didn't hear him. So then, I guess, I don't know how smart he was or, you know, I'm not sure about him as a person very much. But after that, he decided to go to a guard's house because the guard, this particular guard was very kind to him when he was in prison. And he thought this guard would help him. So he went to this guard's house and he asked him to help him against the injustice he faced while he was in the Japanese prison system. I guess he felt like he was treated unfairly. Mm. So when he went to the bathroom, unfortunately, this guard called the police. Oh. And or is it unfortunate? I don't know. He's a criminal. So uh, <laughs> then they arrested him again. Okay. Then they thought, you know what, you are not getting out this time. <laughs> you, they would be so annoyed, and yeah. they like, we've, we've had him twice, and we've lost him <laughs> both times. <laughs> so this time, they took him to Abashiri, which is the in northern Hokkaido. That is cold. Very cold. Very snowy. Mm. Very remote. I imagine. They gave him special handcuffs, which would take two hours to get off by a specialist. So they were they, like... They meant business with this one, didn't You're they? not getting away this time. Yeah. They put him in a room with, like, nothing in there. They gave him nothing to be able to get out of the cell at all. And he was in these handcuffs. Now, I don't know, like, if they ever uncuffed him or he was in them all the time. I'm not sure. Yeah. I assume they uncuffed him to, like, eat, things like that. So the only thing that he got every day was a bowl of miso soup or like, you know, he had like his lunch or his breakfast. And as you know, Jacques, they have miso soup with breakfast, lunch and usually dinner. Everything. Yeah. And how would you describe miso soup? It's got like a, um, it's a a broth, Mm -hmm. essentially. It usually has like bits of onion and tofu in. Um, And the taste, it's got like a, a, a fish... A fishy edge to it, I would say. It's got seaweed in it. Yeah, and that's that's where that comes from. Would you say it's salty? Yes, I would say it's salty. It's very nice, actually. So, what he did uh, with this miso soup, because that's all he was given, every day he put a little bit of miso soup on the cuffs, on the handcuffs, and on the food <laughs> door like frame where he would get his food delivered every day he put he'd put it on the little bolts right. on each of those so he did that every single day until eventually they corroded what genius right so the bolts corroded and so this was in 1944 just two years after how would you know that he was sentenced in Akita. right so <laughs> so then He's got this tiny, tiny little door to fit through. So, you know, they, they, the bolts are corroded. He took them off. 
He took the door off, but he's still got this tiny little door to get through. So he dislocates both his shoulders in order to fit through this tiny little flap. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he did this during a wartime blackout. So the whole place would be completely blackout during the war. And freezing as well. Yeah. You would, I mean, I don't know what time of year it was, but sheesh. Yeah. <laughs> the fact. <laughs> <laughs> so he dislocated his shoulders to get through you got to give him credit for his, for his like, <laughs> his gusto. You're just trying to do these different things. Yeah, and there's there's a lot more information about him. So, mm. you know, it's very interesting to go into if you, if you want to have a look into his life. And um, I'm sure more details into these things as well. So this was, so he escaped in um, 1944. So now he's on the, on the run again. And obviously it's winter, it's cold, like, I can't imagine what he's doing out there in the wilderness. And this is like, this is wartime Japan as well. I yeah. mean, Japan is, I think they're already at a point where they're facing famine mm. and are under attack. Yeah. I mean, I imagine he... But this is not a bad, this is a bad time to exist. Right. So I think he got by by, you know, maybe killing animals and stealing food and whatnot. Mm. Until he stole a tomato from a farmer that caught him. And this is where it sort of all went downhill for him because the farmer attacked him and I guess defensively, I don't know, but he um, he killed the farmer, oh. which is a lot worse than what he had been doing previously. Okay. So then... After That's unfortunate, it, isn't it, for a, <laughs> like criminals to then go and kill someone? Yeah. So after he killed the farmer, I don't know how he was caught in this scenario or what exactly happened. I couldn't really find much about. I'm sure there is, but I was looking on Wikipedia, and there wasn't much about that. So he killed this farmer. Then they decided to put him in Sapporo prison. In Hokkaido. Um, yes, and they had sentenced him to death for this crime. So now they put him in a specially made cell. That was like, you can't do anything, you can't go anywhere, you can't do anything. Um, there was no bolts in there for him to, you know, corrode. <laughs> they still had to feed him. So I think all he had was like a bed, like not a bed, but like, um, a, um, what do you call it, like a futon type thing. Hmm. And every day they gave him miso soup in a bowl. And with the miso soup bowl, he dug a tunnel out of his cell. Using the bowl? Using the bowl. <laughs> so I think what he did... Was a cell made out of sand? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure how he did this, but um, they say that the he took... Where where he took the soil from, he deposited it into like the floorboards. Right, you mean so um, he wasn't getting like a mound of yeah stuff. And I think he dug it underneath where his um, futon was. Right, so no one would see the yeah the hole. So <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, so now we're in Sapporo, <laughs> and this is this is like on fourth time, right? Fourth this time is of the capture. Fourth time, yeah. 
And he's essentially on death row kind of sorts. Yes. Okay. So after this, um, he had a year of freedom. He was free. And no one was, like, obviously they were looking for him, but maybe not so much because they didn't catch him. What actually happened was he was in a park and an officer, a police officer, offered him a cigarette. And he thought he was so moved by the kindness of the officer that he told the officer that he was an escaped convict. That seems like an... <laughs> <laughs> that seems like an odd move after you spent so long trying to escape. But okay. Yeah, and he said, I offer myself up to you to turn me in. Hmm. And obviously the officer did. So he went to trial once again. And the High Court of Sapporo um, renewed his case, or sorry, reviewed his case and decided that the farmer's death was a result of self defence. Right. Um, so they revoked his death sentence. Oh, right. But they sentenced him to 20 years in prison for the previous four prison escapes. <laughs> <laughs> so he asked if he could be in prison in Tokyo. Um, so they granted that, and he served 14 years in Fuchu prison until 1961 when he was released for good behaviour. <laughs> Then he returned to Amori and reunited with his daughter. His wife had died while he was in uh, prison, but he lived for another decade working odd jobs um, just to survive, and he eventually died of a heart attack in 1979, age 71. And that is the story <laughs> of um, this, what did I call him in the beginning? Antihero. Wow. In Japan. And if you do come to Japan, there is a museum in Abashiri in, um, was that the one in Hokkaido? Yeah. Um, in northern Hokkaido, uh, where you can actually go and see. They've made like a memorial of how he escaped. And <laughs> they, have like, they have like a, a statue of him that's like climbing up into the sky. That is fascinating. Skyline. To escape that many times in so many sort of ingenious ways. Can I just ask, by the way? I'm sorry if you said this already. What was his, what was his initial? What was his original crime? Gambling and stealing. Okay, gambling and stealing. That mm-hmm. was it. I wonder what he stole. And if it was like some really, you know, mm. just like something silly, or if it was actually like a major crime. Well, the first time I heard this story was on a, another podcast, and this was like years ago. I first heard about it, and. I'm pretty sure they said that he he was maybe even wrongly convicted. No, really? Yeah. Maybe that was his um, extra incentive to break out mm. from all these places. But also, you know, I was thinking when he dislocated his shoulders to get out of that tiny door, he would have been pretty small anyway. Yeah. Because he, w- he wasn't eating very much. He was probably emaciated, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. I mean... <laughs> I, I can really. only imagine the the conditions of the state of of a, a modern Japanese prison. Hmm. Um, I don't imagine they're very nice places to be, as you know, are any, are any prisons. But in the forties, I mean, they've got to be the coldest, most yeah. like filthy, 
awful hell holes you mm. can imagine being. And to decide to escape. <laughs> and where would you go, you know? I think that's yeah, why precisely. he went to the guard's house, because... Well, I mean, he can't stay outside for... I guess everyone's looking for him. He'd just freeze like, to death, wouldn't he, I suppose, after too yeah. long, starve to death. He's probably thinking, where should I go? But, as well, he obviously has a conscious conscience because he turned himself, himself up, in yeah. in the end, yeah. After a car, an officer gave him a cigarette. I want to how do you how do you know that applying something like miso to the the bolt so that's mm. going to corrode them? I mean, I guess water does right over yeah, time. Yeah, it's salty too and Yeah. Yeah, the salt is that's, mm-hmm. that's right. <laughs> I guess he just was a very patient person. You'd have to, wouldn't you? Yeah. But to just to just think that that's going to work. Yeah. Maybe it was just like a silly thing, maybe for Let's try it. Mm. I've got nothing else to to go at. Mm-hmm. And then it starts working. <laughs> well, you wouldn't know, would you, until... After a while. You've been doing it for some time, yeah. That was quite the story. Well, I mentioned it the other day to Jack in, uh, like, a passing comment, and you said that you hadn't heard it, so... No, I'm, I'm, you I'm glad you told that. I can only... Um, I cannot imagine what it must be like to have your freedom taken away from you. I imagine it's one of the worst things ever. Yeah. Especially if it's something which you maybe have been wrongly convicted of, you know. I mean, I'm just saying that because of the like, fact that he escaped so many times, but I, I'm not actually sure. But then he did kill the farmer, so... Yeah, I mean, look, there's... <laughs> there's but that there's, was there's a part of him which is a criminal, right? So that's... Well, yeah. That you can't really excuse those kind of things, but the the... But the that's, way that's in which he escaped a, is pretty... A bit of an anti-hero, a bit of a legend, I guess. What is it about anti-hero, do you think, that is so appealing? <laughs> I think that we root for the underdog because maybe we see ourselves in... Or we, we, we think... I don't know. If people struggle, we don't like to see people struggle. Hmm. Do you and think it's got anything... If they achieve something after they've been struggling, it's more of an achievement, I guess. That's true. To come like to go from, from the bottom nothing, to the yeah. top. You like think you it's got anything that, to like... do with um, the rebellious side of people? Like, w- I think in every person, there's a rebel. Yeah. And every now and again, it's kind of it's fun or exciting to be the rebel as opposed to just the good guy. Mm. You know what I mean? So, do you think that's appealing for people too? That kind of the dangerous side of someone. Yeah, I think so. But if you get caught in that, you know, hmm. you know, so like everyone's doing it or whatever. I'm not saying that's an excuse. What's like the most rebellious thing you've done, do you think? <sighs> I'm not very rebellious, honestly. So I, I, can't even th- I can't really think of anything that I've done that's particularly like, ooh, <laughs> or out there, you know. Yeah, I don't know. The- for you. The only thing that I would say I'm more rebellious in, I think, is the way in which I interact with people. Okay. So <laughs> I, I never let someone take make a mug of me. Yeah. I think that's the only way in which I'm rebellious, I would say, on, on like a regular basis. I think you, you like, know. resent it if you can see somebody's... If I see someone's trying to take an advantage... Or like manipulating yeah. or something like that. 
You don't like it. I hate that so mm-hmm. much. And so I'm like, I won't let it happen. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. As I think I've, I've been quite rebellious in my youth. Yeah. Not like to a point where I did anything terrible. I just, yeah, I definitely had like a bit of a rebellious streak. Mm. Like when I was um, 16, I went on my own to get a piercing that I had to be 18 to get. Oh, yeah. It was, um, it's called the rook piercing. It's like in the, it's in your ear. Hmm. It's all that, the uh, bit in the middle, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and I, <laughs> I went in the shop and there, there was a guy in there who had his entire face tattooed and he was bald and his entire head was tattooed and he was really nice. In fact, his name was Spike. <laughs> what a name. <laughs> I know. And he was really lovely. But it was very intimidating to walk in at 16 and be like, I'm going to I'm gonna lie to this person. Only a, guy, <laughs> only a guy with a full face and head of tattoos. And like, did he have loads of piercings too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could get away with the name of Spike. He was cool. He was a really cool guy. Yeah. But anyway, he said, like I told him what I wanted and he was like, yeah, that's fine. Just, you know, write down your information or whatever. And I did, and I wrote down that I was 18 hmm. instead of 16. Rebel. I know. It was really naughty. I felt really naughty as well. <laughs> um, and then I went in, and the woman that did it, she'd only been piercing for about three months, she said. Or maybe three weeks. I don't know. You never want the newbie, do you, really? Oh, no, because then she kept saying, like... Because I've got really small ears, so she was like, oh, I can't do it. I can't. And then and she, I said, it's okay, just pierce another bit, like pierce the other part of the ear or, you know, it's, it doesn't <laughs> matter. very brave of you. Well, she was making me nervous because it, yeah, it's just such a, like, it's really like in your ear. Hmm. And it's like cartilage and they have to do it with a needle. Yeah. And then I was like panicking because I was like, oh, my God, what if something goes wrong? And like I wrote my age on the wrong, like, oh, my God. Like, and then I was panicking about it because I'm not really a rebel, but no. I like I was trying to be, you know, um, but it's not really in my nature at all. I'm quite like genteel. But um, <laughs> then then um, she was like, no, it's OK. I can do it. I can do it. I can do it like that. She was like amping herself up. And I was mm. like, Jesus, Christ. <laughs> she's going <laughs> she's to stab me. Like. Right through your head. Um, and when she did it, it really hurt as well. And I was like, oh, gosh, thank God that's over. Mm. Yeah. And then, I, and then I kind of regretted it. But then I came out and I was like really chuffed that I'd done it. Yeah. I felt like I, I was going to say, I was going to swear. Yeah. I felt good. Yeah. And then I, like, got on the bus and I was like, mm, yeah, I can't believe I just did that. Got myself a piercing. Yeah, what a loser. <laughs> Why do you do things like that when you're a kid and you just think, like, oh, it's the coolest thing ever? Well, I don't know. I mean, my, uh, the tattoo I had, I guess I was only 15 oh, yeah? when I had that. I suppose that was rebellious That's the most of rebellious thing you've done. Yeah. But to be honest, that was more a case of getting it out of my system. Yeah, like, but it's a permanent thing. It, I mean, it's still there, like, it, it hasn't fallen off yet, so... No. <laughs> but that worked um, to, like, just get over it. Like, you know, I mean, you have you know, you know, have an idea in your head when you're younger of just, like, things. Yeah. And you're like, oh, I want to do that, I want to do that. But it can go both ways. You either yeah. get one and you become addicted to it, or yeah. you get one and you're like, okay, that's over now. For me, it just, it didn't go the other way. I had the one and then that was it. I was like, that's fine by me. Do you regret it? Not at all. Do you like it? Yeah, I do. I mean, 
I like it less as I get older. That's right. not to say I, I dislike it. I don't dislike it, but I just I don't really care. Right. I don't care about it at all. Do you think everyone should get a tattoo? No. To get it out of the system. I always see what you mean. Um, so I don't have one. Um, mm. Occasionally, I look at them and I'm like, eh. but I like I, I just can't imagine myself with one, really. Yeah, I see. But do you think if I had like a little tiny little one, that I'd be like, oh, okay, I don't need to think about it anymore. I think it's like, it's exactly the same process in many things. There are so many things in life where you're like, oh, I would really like that thing. I really want that thing. And as soon as you get it, you're like, ah, well, that's that. I've got it. And it's immediately, it just fizzles out the like thing that you've got. it doesn't bring got. you happiness necessarily. Not, not at all. Mm. It's an experience, don't get me wrong, but you, you really aren't rewarded. Okay, I was not rewarded by any kind of like glowing halo as I was doing it. I wasn't like, mm. wow, this is incredible. I was just like, oh, yeah, it's done. Um, but I think that's the case of so many things yeah you know i was quite amazed um when i found out that tattoos are like constantly being um (laughs) i can't remember the actual thing but i watched a video of how tattoos are like being taken away from your body oh you mean like the like the ink particles are slowly being carried away in the bloodstream yeah because they they want like (laughs) it's a foreign thing on your body Hmm. so your body tries to like get rid of it slowly is that so, why they fade that's why they fade yeah i guess as well the sun has an impact on that too possibly yeah but i i that is interesting though. i think that's what i thought like age and time it just makes it fade but yeah. i didn't realize that your body is actually like attacking this thing <laughs> it's like working over time <laughs> like it's trying to get rid of it we have this graffiti on the wall <laughs> we have to get rid of it's kind of crazy really isn't it, it is, and yeah. when like tattoos were first a thing like it was a really rebellious thing because no one really knew mm. what it was going to do to you yeah i guess so it's like you know could it poison you or something i don't know true you know yeah well i i mean i guess i guess they've been going on for hundreds of years and they thousands of years like tattoos were a very like tribal kind of mm. means of decoration i just want to i just want to get rid of a myth while i'm while we're talking about skin and stuff like that let's dispel a myth there was um a myth about the bond woman the one that was painted gold oh so, okay so my understanding is please correct me if i'm wrong that she was painted entirely in gold and that she died <laughs> because she couldn't breathe or something through the pores of her skin. Um, yeah. That's the myth, right? I need to have a look at the um, gold woman, James Bond. She was very gold. <laughs> uh, Bond says afterwards that she died of skin asphyxiation. Oh, so um, it's in the movie. Is that right? Oh, is it? Bond say that in the movie. Oh, I see. Uh, okay, the myth comes from the movie where she dies because she... They paint them in gold. They paint them in gold, yeah. For skin, so the skin can't breathe. Yeah, oh. So they believed that the actress that played the woman dressed in gold died because of For the of same it. reason. So actually she just um, stopped acting after that <laughs> and just dropped out of the public eye. Wow. 
that was it. So her last role was just a gold woman. Yeah, so, but I kept hearing, so I studied like body painting and um, like special effects makeup and I heard all these things about the movies, like how they got the tattoos onto like the Bond villains and how they did continuity in movies to keep the scars and things consistent. So James Bond was a big thing that came up that we studied a lot. And um, the <laughs> woman, they they used to say that she had a little um, tri- rectangle or square um, space left on the bottom of her back so that the skin could breathe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not true. If you paint somebody completely in body paint, the, they can still breathe. Yeah, they can still breathe. Yeah. It's it's absolutely not true. Is that because we breathe through our mouths and nose as yeah. opposed to our skin? But obviously they say that your your skin is like your, your biggest organ, don't they? Mm. Um, I get the principle. Like you, your pores, you know, but and you sweat and all yeah. that kind of thing. Like that's how you regulate heat and stuff. But yeah. Yeah. But but no, it's um it's not true. So total myth. The type of body paint that I think she'd have been painted with is like an alcohol based um body paint. Mm. So it, it it doesn't come off with water. Um really and pretty it, like, stubborn absorbs stuff. Absorbs into your skin a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's very stubborn. Like if she sweat or anything like that, it wouldn't, wouldn't come off. Come off, yeah. But I don't know when it was it when it was filmed, I'm not sure what paint they used. But you know if you have that much paint on your body yeah would you just be better off having some kind of like alcohol bath as opposed to like having it all rubbed off with alcohol of them like you know i mean yeah so it's it's actually very difficult to remove and you do use like an alcohol base to get it off as Mm. well but i (laughs) when i used to paint like performers and things that would go out in nightclubs and stuff sometimes they would forget to take the we'd give them like little bottles to take home so they can get the get it off um you can get it off with anything that breaks down like oils more so like fairy liquid or something like that yeah um but they would forget so often i heard stories about them getting it off with vodka which was quite funny (laughs) douse themselves in vodka yeah I mean, I guess it works kind of, doesn't it? <laughs> like, they're all in the shower together, like, putting vodka all over them. <laughs> Very funny. Yeah, that's funny. Um, but, you, yeah, I just had to, like, dispel that myth because I always thought that was funny. You just reminded me of another myth, actually. You saying about, you know, in the story of the woman dying. Mm-hmm. A myth about death. Um, nice, nice morbid way to end the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, like, right at the end. Um, so, you know... There's a myth that when people die that the hair keeps growing mm. and the nails keep growing. Mm. That is a myth. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Actually, what happens is that the skin recedes and like oh. it sort of shrinks in on itself, doesn't it? Yeah. It's That's what gives the appearance of, of it actually growing. Oh, really? Yeah, so all the skin wow. recedes close to the bones and shrivels. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think you'd have to study, like bodies for someone to say well oh look the hair grew <laughs> i suppose <laughs> like i reckon that's probably a myth that's come from like um uh what do you call them people who do autopsies mm. what's that word what's the word for people who do autopsies or, i don't know i want to say mortician but that sounds wrong i think that's just someone who works in a morgue oh isn't it 
Anyway. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not end it like that. I did a nice little bit about body painting. You just inspired me then. You said myth. I just, I just it's fine. We should do some myths next time. Yes. Myth debunking. Myth debunking. It's always fun. Okay. Okay. Let's, uh, let's end the podcast there. Thank you very much for joining us once again. If you're new to the podcast, we hope you've enjoyed it. Welcome to the Owl Commune Twitty. Uh, we release new podcasts every Sunday at 6pm Japan Standard Time. Whatever time that is in your country. Um, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Instagram we have Jody started making these lovely little montage videos which are pretty funny. <laughs> so go check them out on at our Weird Life Pod. Jody. Yes. Do you have some information for our listeners? Some one might call it a revelatory statement. Revelatory statement. You said it perfect then. Did I? Yeah. Oh, that's because I copied you. Okay. I always think it's revolutionary. So I mean, I say it, revelationary. It can, that's, that's the beauty of this thing. It can be revolutionary. Okay. Well, let's see if this one is. Okay. Um, so I quite enjoyed looking up this person's life. And it took me, you know, just like, you know, 20 minutes to like look and like write down information. And it was quite enjoyable. So, um... That's my statement for this week is just if, um, I don't know, if you there's somebody that you're interested in or some part of history or some person that you think is interesting, just like take a little bit of time. Maybe you already do this, but I don't. So, <laughs> well, I do, but take a bit of extra time and like have a look into that person's life and maybe you'll learn something maybe like I'm inspired by his patience and his determination and his honesty yeah um you know so wow what a person yeah you know so just yeah see what you can take from other people's lives and be interested interested yeah. and inspired yeah there you go that's it go do your research <laughs> thank you very much Thank have a good you. week we'll see you again soon with a brand new episode goodbye bye